In this edition of Locked On Capitals, we talk about your Washington Capitals. They're 500 right now. What is contributing to this? Is it the penalty kill, the power play? We'll talk about that in the show. Then we'll talk about who is the enforcer on this Caps team and Tom Wilson's absence. And then to end the show, we will talk about the Caps, the future. Where do we see this Caps at the end of the year? We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holman. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. So in this edition, I am joined by Adam Stringham of Japers Rink. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on. So let's just get going here and talk about this Capitals team. Everyone around the NHL is saying this is a bubble team at best. Um, And I got to say, with them being 500 right now, it doesn't really help my cause at thinking that they're going to go much further than that. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on why you think this Caps team is 500. Is it the penalty kills? Is it the power play? Is it all the myriad of injuries? What are your thoughts? Um, You know, I I don't want to say the Capitals are what, what we're seeing. Cause I, I do think they're a bit better as a team, uh, especially after the off season they had, uh, I thought they had some, some really nice pickups over the summer. I, I was impressed. Granted injuries have kind of hampered our ability to see these guys in action. Um, but, but I guess if I was going to put my finger on what's kind of keeping this Caps team where they are right now, I'd say it's their five on five play. I mean, if you look at kind of those, those expected goal metrics that people like to bandy about when talking about kind of both shot quantity and shot quality, the capitals are generating kind of in a bottom third of the league. Um, you know, they're not doing a lot of dynamic uh, offensive things. I mean, when you watch them in transition, uh, they'll occasionally get goals like the one that we saw from Lars Eller against the Kings quickly. Um, when was that Sunday night now? So now or Saturday night, sorry. And um, I, I, if I had to point to one thing, I, I would point to five-on-five five play. I think we need to see more, especially offensively from the Capitals. Uh, granted, hockey's a very connected game. John Carlson hasn't quite been as good as he's been in the past. And I think his kind of defensive lapses has, have actually also contributed to a lack of offense on five-on-five. Five. But I'm sure we'll get into all of that here uh, in a little bit. You know, and that's what I'm talking about is, you know, they had a rough couple games and then I saw them play the Kings in the first two periods. I'm like, here we go again. They're going to lose another game here, but they kind of came out in the third period on fire. I think that coach Peter Laviolette really lit a fire underneath of them and said, guys, we're not getting it done again. We have to get it done. So if we take a look at the last game against the Kings, we're recording this on Monday, uh, just for reference here, is that, um, you know, you took a look at scoring from all different players. You saw production from the blue line. 
what was the keys to success for the Capitals in the Kings game? Uh, because they seemed to be a bit snake bit in the first two periods. But like I said, in the th- third period, they came out on fire. What do you think was behind that? You know, when you kind of look at the goals the Capitals scored, what jumped out to me was kind of what I just highlighted was that transition play. I mean, we saw them quickly getting down the ice. We saw consistent pressure upon the Kings. Um, it, it kind of looked like what the Capitals looked like three or four years ago when they were really at their best, when they were playing kind of that dominant hockey. Um, they hemmed the Kings into their own zone. I'd say really the only uh, dangerous chances the Kings had, and of course they, they scored on one of them, was was when they got a good counterattack going. Uh, we saw, I think it was a block shot from the point, uh, hit a player's shin pads, and then it was a two-on-one the other way, and the Kings scored. Um, but all in all, I mean, that was a fantastic period of, of hockey. I thought the Capitals completely dominated the Kings. I mean, you can see, even for the whole game, they didn't give up a lot of shots against. Um, but I, I think what we saw the Capitals do differently was uh, they were aggressive. They, they, they drove to score. They weren't trying to just possess the puck in the offensive zone for possession's sake. Um, they were actually trying to take that zone time and turn it into immediate offense. And I think uh, kind of that playing quickly is, is a key thing to a lot of the best offensive teams in the NHL. Um, that's not something I think the Capitals have done particularly well this year, but I did think they did that in the third period against the Kings. And, you know, you got to put injury into that equation as well. Um, yeah. And if the Caps want to have any success this year, they're going to have to do it with Tom Wilson, at least until around November or Christmas. But the real problem for me is that Brian McClellan went out and tried to solidify that position by getting Connor Brown. And now he is out uh, indefinitely. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, that problem at the top line right wing. I know we've seen Shiri in there and Oshie a little bit. Could this be a good opportunity for someone like a Connor McMichael, for example? I know that, you know, that's not his native position, but I think that ultimately, if you told him, do you want a, a job playing the top line right wing? If you get regular playing time, I think he'd say, coach, sign me up, put me in. What are your thoughts on that top line right wing? And ultimately, where are the caps in that position right now? You know, it's funny. Um, you know, we used to write on Japer's rink. This is like five or six years ago, almost every two weeks about, you know, who should be the Capitals top line right wing. You know, there was Eric Fair. There was uh, Marcus Johansson. I mean, there was anybody that you could have looked for. It was every, They tried to find that replacement after Knubel. And they, they found that in Tom Wilson. I mean, you, you highlighted it. Tom Wilson has been a fantastic top line right wing. TJ Oshie, when healthy, uh, has also been been great in that spot. Um, I think the problem right now is the Capitals, as you kind of highlighted, they tried to reinforce their depth because they don't have a lot in the system. Um, you, you'd think with the amount of injuries they have, this would be the perfect time to see a real emphasis on um, the young players. I mean, whether it be um, Protus or, or really, I mean, you want to see McMichael somewhere in the top six. So Connor McMichael came into the to the uh, to the NHL with a lot of fanfare. He was uh, one of the Capitals' first high first round draft pick since Jacob Rana. That was a forward. Uh, they did, they did a lot of kind of taking defensemen and goaltenders uh, in, in the back half of the first round for the few years after Jacob Rana. Um, and whether it be because of McMichael's own play or whether Laviolette is just very skeptical of young players, he has not been able to establish himself in the lineup. Um, I think the most interesting storyline around the Capitals right now uh, around player selection is definitely McMichael's. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Connor McMichael? What's kind of holding him back from uh, solidifying himself in the lineup in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at Connor McMichael, he is kind of, you know, he didn't have a great training camp. And, you know, I think that that is one of the things that's that's holding him back a little bit. 
Um, and, you know, what you talked about, a little bit of that reluctance for this team to want to get younger. Um, but if there's one thing I know, we, we know that this is one of the oldest, I want to say the second oldest team in the NHL right now. And uh, I think if they just kind of bide their time, I think that that opportunity will come for someone like Connor McMichael. Um, and, you know, I hate, you know, I talked about this in yesterday's podcast is, you know, I hope, you know, I don't think he wants anyone to get injured, but, you know, that might be a really good opportunity, you know, for a guy like Connor McMichael to get inserted into this lineup. But it's my belief and it's my contention on him that if he is not going to get the time on the Capitals, that he would be better served to play in Hershey. And I know he's on that entry level deal, so that shouldn't add any snafus or anything like that to the equation. But I think that ultimately they need to assess him right now and kind of decide is, does he have a spot on this team? And if he doesn't, let's put him down to Hershey or at least maybe kind of cycle those players through a little bit, because I think nothing is going to stunt or stymie his growth and watching games up in the press box. I know there's some guys out there like Matt Irwin that you can kind of put in the deep freeze and then thaw him out and put him in. And it's just like, they missed no time at all. But that's for me, that's the big problem. Um, for Connor McMichael is just that uh, extended period of time. Where do you think that uh, that he should go? Do you think that he should just kind of wait and, and you know bide his time for the Capitals, or do you think he would be better served uh, playing down in Hershey? No, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it's better. I mean, if he's not going to be getting consistent minutes in the NHL, so I, I'd say if he's not playing 50% of the games and when he's playing, maybe playing between 10 and 15 minutes a night, um, he should be down at Hershey. Um, I, I think there's one thing that's been relatively consistent in, in everything I've ever read or heard about player development, and that's that ice time's essential. And uh, McMichael hasn't been getting that at all this year. And, um, you know, I, it, it kind of reminds me of what happened late in Andre Burakovsky's first season with the Capitals. He, he came in, he, he made the roster, he was playing big minutes to start the season. He had one very bad game against the Islanders. Um, saw a heavy cutback in his minutes and eventually he went down to Hershey for a little bit. And, um, you know, after a little stint, he came back up, he was very successful. I mean, he, he was a, a a good, important piece for the Capitals when they won the Stanley cup. Um, and and I think McMichael is a guy who either like Burakovsky or, or like Jacob Rana, who after his first kind of cup of tea in the NHL, he ended up spending, I think, uh, probably about half a season in the AHL. I, I, I do think that McMichael is better served just not being in Washington because uh, I don't think the minutes are going to come. And if they do come, they're going to be few and far between. And I think his confidence just will not improve uh, with limited ice time and, and feeling like he's always got to prove himself every second that he's on the ice. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I want him to be on the big team, but ultimately I want what's best uh, for his development. All right. So after the break here, we will talk about who is the enforcer on this team. Now that Tom Wilson is not in the lineup, who is the one that's going to lay the smack down? We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is the number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. 
the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you for making a Locked On Capitals your first listen today. And I'll make your second listen game to game. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So in this edition, I am joined once again by Adam Stringham of Japers Rink. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the enforcer. You know, I don't want to kind of pigeonhole Tom Wilson or put him in a corner saying that he's only this goon, uh, this tough guy out there. He's a legitimate goal scorer, you know, 20 plus goals last year. But uh, they do. They need that enforcer, that tough guy that says you're not going to push your rookies around. And if you want to fight someone, you're going to have to go through me first. Uh, it's kind of my belief that, you know, Tom Wilson was almost like the sheriff of the team. And, you know, a lot of people were kind of afraid of him. You take a look at that game against the Ottawa Senators, and it seemed like they kind of had their way with the Capitals. You had Hathaway, which is, you know, a, a chirper and a bit of a sandpaper personality. Who is going to be that guy that fills in Tom Wilson's spot? Just the physical aspect, that enforcer that's going to say, you're not pushing this team around. Well, I mean, it really touches on what you just said. I mean, it's got to be Connor McMichael, right, with him trying to drop the gloves there against uh, against. It was Ottawa, all sorts but... of clumsy, wasn't it? Well, I think he just, you know, he, he heard you saying that he's got to try to take that top spot. <laughs> he, he took it a little bit too literally. But uh, in, in all seriousness, I, I mean, the Capitals don't have a lot of those. Uh, Tom Wilson's just such a unique player. I mean, there's a reason that every other team in the league would love to have him. Um, especially in today's NHL. I mean, we're not looking at 10, 15 years ago where, you know, people had Donald Brashear and George Lorac and, um, you know, even, well, Matt Cook didn't fight really. I mean, there were just those those players that were just heavyweights that would come in and they would have these great bouts. And, um, you know, it, I mean, I guess you could say the uh, maybe Reeves is the modern day equivalent, like another guy who's, who's just big, strong, and, and tries to get in your face and, and, and create fights. I mean, the closest comp, I think, to Tom Wilson is, is going to be, you know, the, the Kachuk brothers. I mean, those are two guys that play like that. And the Capitals don't have anybody that's capable of playing at that level besides Tom Wilson. Uh, it's, it's really unique. Um, and it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's part of what has made the Capitals so successful for um, as long as they have been. It's because Tom Wilson developed into more than just a guy that was going to, to lay the body and, and, and throw his hands around. Uh, he also became a guy that could score and produce. And the Capitals have that a little bit in lesser doses from Nick Dowd and, and Garnet Hathaway. I mean, you kind of already alluded to um, their sandpaper style of play. But those two guys, I think, have kind of been the core of um, some very successful um, fourth lines over the last few years. I mean, we can talk a little bit about how the penalty kill is struggling. You, you alluded to it earlier um, with those two guys. And that's another key piece of what Tom Wilson brings to the equation. But if we're talking about guys that are just more likely to kind of, uh, uh, you know, muck it up a little bit, I, I'd say I, I'd be looking at those two guys. Um, certainly not expecting to see it from uh, Mojo or, or, or Anthony Mantha. Even though Anthony Mantha is so big, he's just that's just not really in his repertoire. Um, and he's he tries so hard to be a tough up. guy, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that last fight he was in, he got one punch in, and then he just kind of shook his jersey a bunch. You know, he's got like this big hulking frame, but he doesn't really know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin reminds me of a dad like, 
you guys, you kids keep it quiet. You don't want me to get up. You know, if you yeah. remember back to 2019 when he TKO'd uh, Shvechnikov. So, I mean, he has it, but, you know, I think he's kind of above that. You know, he is a, a legend and a future Hall of Famer. I guess one guy that comes to mind might be down in Hershey, like a Beck Malenstein. Um, you know, Alexi Protus, too. He's got kind of that yeah. big frame as well, but, but none Very of them, big. you know, intrinsically uh, tough guys. So let's talk a little bit about Alex Ovechkin here. He's been a bit snake bitten so far, uh, lacking in the luster department, if you will. Ovechkin has five points, two goals, three assists, and four of those came against Bruce Boudreaux's Canucks, the only team yet to register a win uh, that's uh, 0-4-2 to start out the season. So what do you attribute Alex Ovechkin's slow start to? You know, if you take a look at last year, he kind of came off to a fiery start. You know, we know that he's chasing down Gordie Howe and then eventually Wayne Gretzky. What do you think is behind his slow start? it's a it's a million dollar question i mean so the cheating obviously you can i just you know first thing i look at is hey i mean is he still getting his shots off he's got 22 shots in six games uh last year he had 334 and 77 i mean i'm not gonna break out the calculator here and do some quick math there but you see it doesn't look like his shot rate hasn't completely fallen off um but i would have expected to see a little bit more from there and his shooting percentage is way down he's shooting at 9.1 percent versus his career average which is right around 13. Um, so not only is he not generating quite as much offense as usual in terms of volume, but he's also not finishing. So, um, when I'm watching Ovechkin, um, I thought he looked okay in the game against the Canucks. Um, I, I didn't think it was our typical Ovechkin two goals, right? One of them kind of bounced around kind of fluky in, uh, the other one was, was typical Ovechkin, which was great, but, um, the Capitals are, are, are very dependent upon Ovechkin for offense. I mean, he he still scored 50 goals last year, which was an amazing feat given his age. Um, they, they can't afford for that 50 to go down to, say, 20 or 25, right. or th- even 30. Uh, Ovechkin's going to be a key piece. I mean, he, he did take a, a more reasonable salary than what uh, he probably could have gotten just because of how many uh, seats that he fills and what he means to the franchise. But, I mean – and look, and I'm not the biggest fan of plus minus or anything like that, but Ovechkin's sitting at a minus six through through the six games. So uh, the top line has not been quite getting it done. You can, you've already kind of alluded to that top line right wing position and how kind of they haven't found the right fit there. Uh, Kuznetsov certainly hasn't looked like a, the kind of reformed player that I thought he looked like last year. Um, those two guys and the kind of their synergy and working well together is really important this year, especially because there there is no fallback. I mean, the Capitals don't have anyone with a similar level of talent available. With Nicholas Backstrom out at center, um, I mean, I, I don't think Lars Eller is a reasonable option to play with Ovechkin. Um, so I, I think the Capitals, I mean, I'd be more like, I personally would rather see someone like Connor McMichael try that spot than, than see Lars Eller there again. Um, Ovechkin is not creating a lot of his own shots right now. He needs someone that can move around, create space for him. And I think Kuznetsov should be the guy to do that, but he hasn't been as good as I would have expected him to be in that spot so far this year. Yeah. And the presser, Peter Laviolette said his big reason for putting Eller on the top line center was because he was the most experienced. And it's kind of funny when you look at Lars Eller, he kind of had one foot out the door. Everyone kind of wrote him off as being playing his last game with the Capitals last summer. And then we found out Nick Backstrom had that hip resurfacing procedure done and he could miss all of the season, if not the entire season. Kind of leaves the door open a little bit that Brian McClellan didn't spend all of the LTIR money. So I guess there is a possibility uh, that he could come back. Let's talk 
Next, a little bit about uh, Nick Backstrom, his importance to this team. Um, you know, and we have Dylan Strom, which, you know, I, th- I think he's been playing very well as of late. Yep. Um, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Nick Backstrom? Do you think he's going to come back ever, really? I know that the outlook on that procedure is not that great, but he's like, listen, guys, I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't play with my kids. I did what I yeah. had to do. Talk to me a little bit about Nick Backstrom. Oh, I mean, well, in terms of what he means to the franchise, I mean, there's only one person that's meant more, and that's Ovechkin. Um, I mean, Backstrom is, um, you know, really in in my kind of adult fandom, he, he's always been the reliable number two guy. Um, I've we've all been really blessed to watch him play. I mean, he's he's one of the best playmakers of his generation. I mean, you could you can make the argument that in terms of pure passing ability and ability to see the ice, uh, he's arguably the best of his generation, which is which is really impressive considering some of the guys that he's been up against in that time. Um, not having a guy like that is incredibly detrimental to the team. I mean, we saw it last year, even when he was in the lineup, we didn't have Nicholas Backstrom in the lineup. You know, we kind of had a shadow of himself. Um, When you don't have that amazing one-two punch, you're going to be really hard-pressed to do anything in, well, really in the playoffs, but even in the regular season, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, Teams now have a very um, expansive scouting staff. They know what they have to prepare for. Even in the regular season, if you're a one-trick pony team, Uh, you're not going to be that hard to defend against. I mean, they're going to get the matchups they want, um, especially in the playoffs. Again, when teams really focus on that more, but even in the regular season. So, um, you know, you kind of brought up Dylan Strome, and I think Dylan Strome was a great pickup by the Capitals because I think he does, um, you know, he he was a guy that was drafted relatively high, right? He was actually third overall in the 2015 draft. Um, It was very highly regarded. Um, never quite established himself in the NHL, but he didn't have a bad season last year with Chicago, uh, telling 48 points in 69 games, and he has four points in six games so far with Washington. So Dylan Strom might be a guy that can help fill the shoes, but um, you know, if Nicholas Backstrom is able to return and if he's better than he was last year, I think the Capitals will be in pretty good shape. Um, if he is not able to come back at all, um, you know, I, the Caps team might this team might still make the playoffs, but I don't, I don't see them winning any rounds. Um, which would be really unfortunate, but I, I don't see it happening without more s- solid uh, center depth. Yeah, I agree with that. We just hope all the best for him, regardless of whether he returns or not. All right, in this last segment here, we will talk about the new netminding tandem. Well, not so new anymore, but Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. We'll talk about them next. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why I love it. I had an issue where someone broke into my home. The police dispatched someone and took care of the situation. With 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you in a moment. A threat is detected and dispatched police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that can only alert when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 
Our monitor experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. Save 20% on Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, I am joined by Adam Stringham of Japers Rink. All right, in this last segment here, let's talk a little bit about the netminding situation. The biggest inconsistency of last year was Sam Sonoff and Vanacek. It was a coin flip, and, you know, it was always tails. It was always a poor game, nine times out of ten when they played. But in all fairness here, I kid, they got this Capitals team to 100 points, but at the end of the day, their Achilles heel was that they couldn't string together any wins. So what did Brian McClellan do? He went out and swung for the fences and got Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. How much better is this team right now with Darcy and Charlie on this team? From what I've seen in a sample size, all things point up. Got to get the defense in front of him. I know everyone wants to throw Darcy under the bus. Uh, I don't think he's allowed many beach balls through so far. What are your thoughts on the new tandem in Washington? You know, it's an interesting one. I I was thinking about it today and and was talking about it a little bit on Twitter with a couple people. And um, I think when you look just at the numbers, right, he looks kind of, the numbers kind of reminded me a little bit of Jose Theodore, right? The last, the last uh, Colorado goalie that the Capitals went out and signed in free agency. Um, but that's not really fair. Um, you know, he's, he only has an 899 save percentage. Um, he's given up about three goals a game, but the defense has been bad in front of him. I mean, he's had um, no huge stinkers, which, uh, you know, Vanacek and Samsonov were good for at least one a game. I mean, a goal that would be not only bad, but uh, disheartening. Like one of those ones that it's like, wow, how did that get in? And, and those are the kind of goals that, um, you know, on Jabers Drink Radio, we've talked a lot over the last couple of years about how they have a real effect on the cognitive state of the team. I mean, when you're, you know, fighting, you know, if the Capitals went behind in a game, they'd, they'd fight, they'd fight, they'd fight, they'd come back and tie it, and then they'd give up a real stinker. And then just, you know, it's just so um, disheartening. It really just kind of takes the, the air out of the tires and really could change the total mental outlook of the game. And I think having Kemper there, he's just been so much more steady. I mean, he gave up, again, a couple of really weird ones with some weird bounces. Um, but altogether, all I think he – there aren't as many goals you can look at and say, hey, like, this guy's got to have this. I mean, the Capitals went out and spent all this money on him. He's got to get it. And so I've, I've been pretty happy with him. I don't have a lot of strong faults on um, Lilligren, but – Altogether, I mean, it's nice to have gone, you know, be where we are in the season and not feel like uh, the Capitals are, are really um, struggling because of goaltending. I mean, they found different and new ways to struggle, but uh, not, not this time due to goaltending. Yeah, and, you know, that's what I can hope for is more consistency in what I've seen so far. It looks good. Listen, I know you got to run here, but quickly, what are your outlooks for the Capitals this season? Do you think they're going to be a bubble team? Do you think they're going to make it to the playoffs at all? What's your outlook? Um, so I think the Capitals will make the playoffs. I mean, I, I was looking at Money Puck yesterday and, and, and tweeted out that it was um, it was really interesting that, uh, you know, they, they had the Capitals actually as 
you know, the money that they would be not in the playoffs. And, and I think that's, I still think that's not correct. I think the Capitals still have too much top end talent. Um, but I do think there may be one or two key injuries away from not making it. Um, this team every year, I, I think pundits around the league since they won the cup have said, Hey, is, is this year the Capitals fall out? Um, well, not, not every year. I think the Capitals were still actually pretty well held in very high regard the, in 2019, but now um, I, I think they make it. I don't think they win a playoff round um, unless there's some real changes to the team. Um, I, I think they're just a little bit too one dimensional. Um, they don't quite have the explosive talent that they've had before. I like Anthony Mantha, but I, I actually don't think he changes the complexity of the team very much anymore. Um, you know, he plays it. He fits really well into the system, but I kind of miss that game breaking talent of a guy like Jacob Rana. Um, you know, not that Rana was, was lighting it up in the playoff by any means his last couple trips, but I mean, how many times did he hit the post? How many times would he get kind of behind the defense and, and make a real opportunity? Um, don't get me wrong. I, I still understand why that trade had to happen. Rana fell out of favor with the coaching staff. Mantha really fits what they're looking for. But uh, I miss the Capitals having that kind of multi-dimensional approach, um, and don't think they really have that right now. And and hopefully um, we see some youth and in, kind of injected into the lineup, kind of with Michael. That that you know he's not going to completely change the outlook of the team, but it'd be nice to see them mix it up and try some new things. Because I think playing the style of hockey that they're playing right now with the roster that they have, they're just going to get swallowed up by by faster, more aggressive teams. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm kind of afraid of, but I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that yeah. maybe they, someone can catch a break or, you know, Alex Ovechkin can catch fire and they can make, you know, a really big push into the playoffs. Listen, Adam, before I let you go here, why don't you tell all of our listeners and viewers where we can find your work? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at StringhamA. It's right there on the screen. Um, I have been, we've, we've had Japers Rink Radio for almost 10 years now, I think. It's a really long time. Um, we should be going about one episode a week, but we have not started up quite as hot so far this season. I just had my second uh, child, so that's been kind of taking up my time away from the podcast. But hopefully we'll be getting back at it soon. And, and Japers Rink is always coming out with uh, good stuff. So follow Japers Rink on Twitter. Um, the website and the board is always pretty active with people commenting and talking about the caps. All right, Adam, thanks for joining us today. And thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. And I'll talk to you again next time.